This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 287 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Available for download or streaming on Monday, September 19th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kenna. And as always, in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, folks. All right, Kenna, what do we have coming up this week? Well, this week we check out the latest developments from the Star Trek Discovery Camp and a perhaps upsetting theory about our view of the world of Star Trek. In Star Trek Online news, well, the news is that there is no news. But to make up for it, later Elijah brings us an interview with David Vatipka, Senior Creative Director from the team behind the upcoming Star Trek Bridge Crew VR. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget that we love to keep the conversation going with you throughout the week. So visit us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And finally, thanks once again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. Now, let's check out the latest news from the world of Star Trek. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's check it out. Have you ever wondered how other civilizations perceive the United Federation of Planets? Think about it for a second. The films and TV series only shared the Federation's perspective. But what if... The Federation isn't all sunshine and roses like we think it is. What if the only reason we believe the Federation is great is because that's all we're allowed to see? What if the Federation is, in fact, the very evil we endeavor to detach ourselves from? That's what the latest episode of Film Theory proposes. Now, I've watched a few episodes of Film Theory from this particular channel, including his theory that Agent Smith is, in fact, the one, not Neo, and which is completely and utterly wrong. And if you can find evidence in the films Eliza, to debunk that theory... Eliza, what, uh, what? Eliza, what? no, no, Eliza, no. There is no spoon. I'm sorry. Anywho, in his recent episode... He presents the idea that the Federation is not the trustworthy, peaceful organization we're led to believe, but instead, the Federation is a fascist regime. He breaks it down by dissecting the opening words of Star Trek that we all know by heart. Space. The final frontier. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail. For his explanation, please visit the link in our show notes. 
To be honest, I'm not too comfortable having my Federation compared to the Nazi regime, but he does make a few compelling arguments. Perhaps my biggest takeaway is, gee, we really haven't explored life outside the Federation on, on the big screen or small screen, have we? Now, it's unlikely that a series covering a civilization outside of the Federation while still being labeled Star Trek would ever actually succeed. However, I think that's a killer idea for a fan film. Like, what does First Contact or, or acceptance into the Federation look like for the other side, for the alien species? I think that sounds actually like a really cool concept to explore. I mean, we talked about uh, last week when we were talking about uh, Balance of Terror, how that in that particular episode, you know, the, the Romulan Empire and the, the Federation were per, sort of portrayed as two sides of the same coin. And we don't often see things from the flip side. It's always the Federation are the good guys and everybody else is either sort of neutral or the bad guys. But it's, you know, the world isn't often that black and white especially what you said, you know, from the point of view of a civilization. Because remember in Star Trek, like, <laughs> most of the time when you encounter a new civilization, it's like one town on a whole planet, and that, that one town is representative of the whole planet, because that's totally accurate. You know, if the Federation came to Earth, what would we think? You know, maybe something's happening where, for whatever reason, they decide that they're going to violate the Prime Directive. Maybe, maybe we are on the verge of warp technology. And suddenly these guys come out of nowhere. And I know we kind of touched on that in First Contact, right? First Contact only works because we assume that we're obviously going to go and join the Federation or create the Federation, I suppose. But what if, like, we really, what if we really didn't like that idea? <laughs> then how would the Federation present themselves? What if we pulled out a Zephyr? A Zephyr. Cochrane! Shotgun! Yes, indeed. But yeah, what if we decided, you know, what if what if you mashed up Independence Day and First Dear Contact? Right, right, yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? What, what does Will Smith say? Like, welcome to Earth or something? Welcome he punches to Earth. The guy. Yeah, with the cigar hanging out of his mouth, punches him in the face. You know, how, you know how how would the Federation react to that? Do you think they just go away? Uh, there must, I mean, there might be an episode where where they do that. But but you're right. Generally speaking, the Federation is presented as a benevolent society. But you know that that could totally be propaganda. Right. Oh, it's an interesting thing to explore. Actually, there's a new movie coming out uh, with Amy Adams that I'm actually looking forward to and has been getting some pretty decent reviews called uh, Arrival. It's due out, I think, in November. And I, it explores, you know, the human reaction to an alien visitor and first contact, literally what, it, what, what first contact could potentially be. So I'm really looking forward to, to catching this film. Well, speaking of series and plots, it looks like we'll be waiting a little bit longer for Star Trek Discovery than we thought. Ooh. Boo. On September the 14th, in a press release, CBS announced that Star Trek Discovery will now launch in May of 2017, not January. According to the press release, quote, The new premiere date is driven by the belief of the creative team that this gives the show the appropriate time for delivery of the highest quality premium edition of the first new Star Trek TV series in over a decade, end quote. 
Executive producers of the show, Alex Kurtzman and Brian Fuller, go on to explain how they have big ideas and a responsibility to fans to not compromise on the quality of the show. So, can't say that I'm surprised. Look, I'm glad that they made the call to push the show back. And, like, listener at Josio, hey, Jocelyn, on Twitter pointed out, quote, it's unfortunate that it's no longer premiering in 1701, end quote. Get it? Because it's 2017, uh-huh. January, yeah, you know. January, yeah. You know, that, that is kind of sad. But also, you have to remember that that's not the registry number of the ship anymore, so... That's true. That's fair. Because it's like... That's fair. Yeah. And I'm glad that they pushed it back, because I think in the long run, it'll... That's a big thing, right? That's... that's that's In in most cases, you know, what we hear nowadays, and, and what what the trend is in Hollywood, is that there's a release date, and you have to hit that release date no matter what. In this case, there's that flexibility, it seems, that they're going to be pushing in a few months, and that's okay. That's fine. If it's going to mean a better product, that's great. It's more than fine, Elijah. I think it's completely necessary. There's so much pressure on this TV series, because it's been off the air for so long, that if it fails horrendously because they slap it together, it's going to be devastating for the franchise. So I'm really glad that they are taking the time. I I will wait. We've waited for 10 years. I will gladly wait for longer to do it right. And I'm glad that they didn't try to shoehorn something in. Because they could have, if they wanted to go like totally corporate marketing, they could have said, right, we're going to launch Discovery in 2016 on the anniversary of the 50th anniversary and it's going to be amazing and a big event and fireworks and ah. I'm less concerned about content and more concerned about outreach right I'm more concerned I don't I really hope that they don't make the errors that they did with beyond in terms of marketing and even as far back as uh into darkness right with with holding back with holding back uh who Benedict Cumberbatch's character was going to be. There's just been these missteps in marketing for the spine of the IP, and I really hope that that they don't do that for Discovery. Yeah, I I have I take issue with one key point, which is the fact that we are not the audience for the marketing activity, because for the large part, Star Trek fans are going to see those things. They're going to watch CBS All Access, and they are going to go and see Beyond. That's a waste of marketing cash. They're they're pointing that activity at an audience that does not yet watch Star Trek. So things that would make sense to us, pushing, you know, releasing Beyond in September, which would be great for the fans, totally doesn't make any sense. You know, it's a summer blockbuster. It needs to be released in the summer because that's that's where the audience is. I take your point. I disagree with it, however. <laughs> Well, that wraps up all of our coverage for Star Trek news this week. Let's find out the latest from Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome to STO News, where normally Mark and I take you through the big news of the week in Star Trek Online. Sadly, Mark can't be with us this week, so you've got me... Yay. With a little help from Winters. <laughs> well, this week we'll be examining the vast emptiness that is the news section of the Star Trek Online website and talking about some gaming blogs' reactions, or lack thereof, to the launch of console. 
But first, let's talk about sofas. So, I've spent the last week or so getting down and dirty with STO for Xbox One. Spoiler alert, so far, console is definitely my preferred platform for this game. I'll get onto that in a bit. But I said I'd talk about sofas. And hold on to your hats, because this might get a little philosophical. Sofas are kind of magical places when you think about it. Pretty much everyone has one, but you don't tend to think about a sofa very much. You just, well, you just use it. But a sofa is like the heart of a modern home in many ways. It's where you gather to watch your soaps or the latest season of Strictly Come Dancing. That's Dancing with the Stars for my Yankee brethren. It's where your mom feeds you chicken soup when you're sick, and it's central to Netflix and chill. And if you're very lucky, you might just fall in love on one. Sofas are where I'm guessing most of us were when we first met Star Trek. Gathered with family in the living room, or maybe in the common room at university. But as you watch the Enterprise warping determinedly through space, the chances are your butt was sat on the sofa. It's been more than six years since the launch of Star Trek Online for PC. And except for the occasional very resourceful gamer, there have been no sofas involved. Computer chairs for the win. Now, over that time, I would argue that STO has evolved into a mature, story-driven MMO, where the systems grow and change and improve, but for most players, the draw is really the rich, episodic, dramatic content. I've said it before that STO is the next great Star Trek series, and while we now find ourselves looking forward to a new actual TV series coming next year, I still think it's true. Star Trek Online is where you and I insert ourselves into the story and carry on the adventure for ourselves. But back to sofas. The launch of STO on consoles means that once again, my butt is where it should be when my mind is lost in the Star Trek universe. PC has always felt a little forced to me. I sometimes find it difficult to lose myself in a mission when I'm a little uncomfortable and OMG Facebook is like right there. But when I'm playing on the console, wine in hand, legs stretched out, cat on the lap, I slide right into the story like a warm bath. Now, there are some downsides to console. Last week, we talked to Gavin about how there's less fine control of abilities, although I find I don't miss it much. There are still some systems missing, which is disappointing when you compare it to PC, but ultimately that's a temporary problem. And I do think there are still a lot of questions we will answer about console in the coming weeks and months such as how the community will evolve and whether console will turn out to be a good return on investment for Perfect World and Cryptic. But for now, my very early and completely biased review is that STO has knocked it out of the park by bringing my Star Trek back to the sofa. Now, obviously, STO coming to console is kind of a big deal for most of us at Priority One. The rest of the gaming community, not so much. While the console launch garnered a fair amount of attention, well, before it actually launched, it's now been well over a week, and shall we say, reviews by major gaming websites are hardly in abundance. I follow The Verge, Kotaku, and Polygon regularly, and there's no mention of it at all beyond the coming soon news bite. The written reviews I've read are primarily on smaller websites, and well, I wouldn't say the praise is overwhelming. GamerPros.co praises the game's visuals, customization, and content, but a major drawback is that, quote, the UI for the game is hit and miss, and a lot of the criticism can be directed towards the game's overall controls, end quote. So there's that. XBLAfans.com uses the strapline, Deep Space Grind, so that doesn't bode well either. They say, quote, It is a very basic, outdated, and often boring gaming experience. End quote. Ouch. 
Metacritic as well reflects some mediocre responses. The Xbox reviews, which are the best, boast a mere 6.8 out of 10 on a whopping 5 users' ratings, and a Metascore of 63 from just 4 critics. Even on YouTube, attention for STO console is a bit wanting. There are really only a handful of reviews from truly new players, and even the official launch trailer has just over 34,000 views. It's not all doom and gloom, though. Most reviewers praise STO's excellent use of the Star Trek license and generally agree that it's a pleasant experience for Star Trek fans wanting to get in on a part of the action. So you might at this point be wondering why most of this week's Star Trek Online news is mostly me wittering on. It's pretty simple, actually. There is no news. I mean, there is such a lack of news that the lack of news itself is actually newsworthy. Now, we know that something is coming down the pipeline, but we don't know what. Uh, With any luck, we'll have a million new blogs over the weekend coming out just in time to make this little monologue look ridiculous. You'd imagine there would be... Well, there was one story blog. True. On the PC section of the website, yeah. Yeah. And having talked at, at STLV with a number of the devs, They are all obviously working on stuff, because when we were in Las Vegas, they were at the point of, uh, it was really getting the game ready for console, so there wasn't an awful lot more sort of console development going on. Oh, yeah, They weren't sitting around with nothing to do. (laughs) Oh, no, they're definitely working on stuff. Yeah, but we don't know what it is. Yeah, I just don't know what it is, and... It, that it, it's frustrating because you have no idea. You know, is there something coming out next week or next month or the next three months? Yeah, and it would be, I don't know. I, I I remember I'm going back now about three maybe four years. STO Gamepedia had a massive list of upcoming content, and right. it actually had like the seasons. And basically, it was taken from the likes of Priority One podcast, Tribbles and Ecstasy. And mm-hmm. you know all the other podcasts that were out there, the, and yeah. all these little tidbits of information were from dev interviews that were being held, and yeah. you know you had uh, the next current season that was coming out, and then the possible forthcoming seasons after that as well. Or you know yeah. if something hadn't been mentioned in, we'll say more than a year, it was in a category that was has not been mentioned within the last year, and. Yeah. You go to SEO Gamepedia now to that particular section, and there's like nothing. Yeah. Everything that they have said, they have done, but yeah. it's really, really hard to get more information. You know, right? What is coming down the line? What's yep. what does the game look like for the next three months, six months, yeah. and a year? We can't can't tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And then the blog comes out on the day. Yeah. So we we're still we're still looking into it, aren't we? We're still trying to get some more information, and hopefully we can uh, improve on that in a little bit. But for the time being, it's a slow news month. It is. Hmm. Yeah. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Community manager at Laughing Trendy tweeted. LLAP, you wonderful nerds out there. Here's to a great 50 years. Hashtag Star Trek 50. Salami Inferno at Salami Inferno tweeted, Here's to 50 more. I have been and always shall be your fan. Hashtag Happy 50th Star Trek. Thomas Maroney at Thomas the Cat tweeted, Well, retweeted US Naval History. The USS Enterprise, CVN-65, was commissioned on September 24th, 1960, about six years before Star Trek premiered. That now I thought was very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually like that. I did not know that. No, neither did I. Taco Fangs uh, replied on the forums, News, we're working on stuff we can't talk about. Gasp. 
<sighs> talk about it, Taco Fangs, please. <laughs> yeah. Just... That's the worst thing. I, I know. It, it, it drives me nuts when the devs, you know, say, like, we're working on something, or, oh, I just tried out this really awesome thing for Star Trek Online. Yeah. And that's the last you ever hear of it. You don't know ah, when the next season comes up. Is that what they were talking about? They're winding about? us up. Yeah. <gasps> oh, man. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. For PC players, there is a bonus XP weekend starting on the 29th of September and running through until the 3rd of October. For console players, right now there was a lifetime subscription sale on for both Xbox One and PlayStation 4 consoles, running until the 20th of September. Which, if you're listening to this on Monday the 19th, you better be quick. Yes. Also, from the 22nd to the 26th of September, take advantage of the item upgrade weekend and upgrade your gear faster. Of course, as always, events are subject to change without notice. Make sure you check the in-game calendar or listen in here at Priority One Podcast for the latest news and updates from Star Trek Online. There's a new Star Trek gaming experience coming out soon, Captains, and Elijah has the scoop. Star Trek Bridge Crew is a VR game coming to PC and PS4, and Elijah chats with Senior Creative Director David Vatipka of Red Storm Entertainment. I'm sitting here with David Votipka, Senior Creative Director at Red Storm Entertainment. And you, sir, are working on this wonderful experience that is Ubisoft's Star Trek Bridge Crew. Yes. Uh, thank you for, uh, for chatting with me here for a few minutes. I appreciate it. Of course. And yeah, I'm, it's my pleasure. So I want to talk a little bit about the genesis of this project, please. Where did the idea for Bridge Crew come from, and how did it evolve over the last year or several months? Yeah, it was kind of, it came from a few different angles uh, over time. So at Red Storm previously, previous to VR, we've been working on basically expanding the depth of online social multiplayer experiences. The chief creative officer said to us at one point, he's like, it's like, you know when you play board games or card games around a table with friends, you have really interesting social dynamics like trust and betrayal and all these things that happen that you don't really get in online video games. So we've been doing various prototypes with that in mind. And then secondly, for me, VR is what I've always wanted to do since I was like 19. Yeah. So uh, at some point when the DK1 came out, I'm like, okay, we got to get into VR. I got to get Redstorm into VR. And we started thinking about social VR. And I saw some talks from Michael Abrash about his predictions for how VR is going to be amazing in social. And that's something I actually didn't previously really give that much thought to. Okay. So we took one of these multiplayer prototypes we had where it was, uh, it was actually a heist prototype of like bank robbers sitting around oh, the table nice. okay. in a warehouse. And we hooked it up in the DKA2 at that point. And we sat across the table from each other and we saw our heads moving. And, and it was like, wow, that's another person as opposed to an animated avatar. Right, right. So then we're thinking, okay, so we built the Werewolves Within prototype and we were headed down the social VR path, but we we're also, some of the designers were talking to me about crew-based experiences. Mm -hmm. And we thought, yeah, that could be really cool for social too. And I was talking to the UB licensing guys mm -hmm. and they showed me a deck of various properties and Star Trek was in there. And I was wow. like, okay, crew-based, right. like there's nothing right, better. Right, 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 right. The, so the at that point we pitched it to CBS and, yeah. and we kind of ran with it from there. That's awesome. Now, so VR is generally considered still in its infancy. I, well, I mean, you can consider what was happening in the 90s and early 2000s as infancy, but the, the consumer grade, you know, Oculus Rift, right. uh, PlayStation VR, there is is a bit of a um, barrier to entry, at least in terms of costs. So, 
And on top of that, even just to the technology, just the, the graphics and the, the, what's needed to produce something like this where you are not sick or nauseous when you get up or as you're playing, which I was not, and right. pleasantly surprised that I was not. What hurdles are, did you face in this development? What did you make sure, what was like on the, the docket of, listen, if we're gonna make this game, we have to m make sure that it meets X, Y, and Z criteria in order for it to make it to the public. Yeah, so from a VR usability perspective, yeah. I guess, um, the good thing about this game is you're seated on the bridge, right. so it's a seated experience, and we're not dealing with fast locomotion and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just skirt all of that. You know, mm -hmm. we've had really nobody ever get nauseous in this yeah, game, yeah, right? Yeah, which right. is which is great. Uh, same with wearables. You're around the table. It's a, it's a seated experience. So really, that allowed us to focus on feeling like you're a federation officer, feeling mm -hmm. like you're on the bridge. You know, hand tracking for me was always a critical component of this game. And you can play it with a gamepad, and we need to support that. Oh, okay. um, but the best way to play it really is with hand tracking. Right, because right. we've seen the, sh the, sh the shows and the films right. growing up, and everybody's tapping away on their panels, right, right, and right. that's the experience we should deliver. Right. And VR allows us to do that, yes. especially with the hand trackers. Mm -hmm. So very, very quickly we could get right to what is the Star Trek VR experience and kind of get around a lot of the challenges with you know, motion and all that. And okay, I think great. those problems are being solved as well. Yes, but. yes, yes. Now let's talk a little bit about what it's going to take for a player like me to play this game at home. Right, so it depends whether you're doing PC or PlayStation. Uh, the PC, there's a, a recommended spec by Oculus and Vive that they, or Valve that they've announced. Uh, so you'd need a PC of that level or higher. Uh, the nice thing is like, for example, the NVIDIA cards that are coming out now, the 1070s, 60s, mm -hmm. 80s are mm -hmm. very reasonably priced and very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, but a 970 card is the minimum. Oh, 970. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then um, you'd need the Rift, of course, mm -hmm. or the Vive. Um, and then on the PlayStation side, a PS4 and the PSVR headset, and that's a little bit lower cost of entry if you mm -hmm. go that route. Mm -hmm. So you have a few different options there. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk about being able to play with friends. Uh, I assume that I don't have to have all my friends with me with their Xboxes or with their machines, right? I, right. I will be able to play with somebody in California or another country. Right. So when okay. we demo it, we have four stations in the same room. Right. And it does cause some confusion and people are like, really? It's like a LAN party game? Right. It's like, no, no, no. Okay. I mean, it, if you want it to be, it right. could be. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you don't have to bring your kid over to a friend's house. Cool. You would play in your living room. I'd play in my living room. We could be across the country. Nice. But we we're on the bridge together. Nice, You nice. can also play, it's a one to four player game. So okay. you can play solo as the captain with an NPC crew. You can give them orders and command what they do. Okay. Or you can have two friends and two NPCs. So we want to make it as flexible as possible. Awesome. Now, in terms of content, you know, we played a demo here where you know, we did some scans and then we had to engage, engage some Klingons. How far will the story go? How much of it will live on over the next few months, over the next few years? In terms of like an ongoing storyline? Right, or? right, right. So there's two modes of the game. There's the story campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is an example of one of those types of missions uh, where you're going to have specific objectives and scripted elements and, you know, uh, Starfleet like t telling you about this mission exactly and what the plot is and whatnot. But the real replay value, you think, will come in the mission generator. Oh. So the mission generator randomizes the location of a mission, it randomizes uh, objectives and certain elements within it. So basically, we call it ongoing voyages. Right, so you can right, play right. a sort of new mission every night with oh, your friends. Awesome, awesome. Uh, are you looking to do um, 
content updates, you know, for down the road, you know, things that people can download and update the game? That's our goal. Yeah, we haven't announced anything with that yet, but there's so much you can do with this brand right. that our preference is certainly to, you know, if it's successful, players love it, and every inclination so far is that they, that they do and they will. Uh, yeah, we'd love to work on it more and, and expand the game. Awesome. Now, you know, this is the Kelvin timeline, so right. we're on a JJ-style uh, Starship bridge. In in kind of talking a little bit more about the, the hopes and the dreams, are you looking to kind of play with other universes of Trek, you know, maybe a galaxy-class Starship bridge? There's so much cool stuff we could do, <laughs> and in fact, there's a little bit more we have to announce before oh, the game launches, great, so great, great. I'll leave that hanging a little All bit. All right, that works, that works. <laughs> now, please tell our uh, listeners when the game does launch and how they can get it, of course. Sure, the game will launch uh, November 29th yeah. for Rift, Vive, and PSVR, be di digital download, um, and potentially in stores, but we'll, we'll see, at the very least, digital. Awesome. Well, David, again, thank you so much for speaking with me here. This was a wonderful experience. I can't wait to uh, give a little bit more of an in-depth review, but it, it was, I, this was a, a pleasant surprise, man. I was, you know, VR, like I said, is so new, you don't know what to expect, Right. but this was just smooth sailing, and I really enjoyed it. Thanks, that's great I to really hear, appreciate it. it. Thank you, take care. Thanks. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, we're at the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. This week's first community question was, what are your first thoughts on the console version of Star Trek Online? And how did Jake get so darn cool? Lieutenant Diane wrote on PriorityOnePodcast.com, The new lighting system is phenomenal, and it makes missions like What Lies Beneath much more entertaining as a story. On PC, I hate ground combat, but on console, I love it. The full screen character dialogues completely tune the player into what is going on. It feels more like watching and playing an episode than just F-keying around my way through a mission on PC. I have to agree with this completely, especially on the point of the ground combat, because uh, I find ground combat on the PC quite difficult. That might just be because I'm not much of a PC gamer. Uh, I do most of my, you know, shooting stuff. I do that on the console, so I find the console actually quite enjoyable for ground combat. Which on I kind of <laughs> put up with it on PC because I need it to progress through the story. But on on the console, I I really enjoy it. I mean, it's different. I mean, it's not it's not you're not like playing Destiny or uh, Battlefield or Call of Duty or something like that. But it's it's good enough. It feels smooth. It's a little bit easier. Yeah, huge difference for me on ground combat. James Collison posted on Facebook.com, I like that it is now on console, just disappointed that as a lifetime member, this doesn't show on the console, plus all the money I've spent on ships, etc. So we'll not be playing on console, and we'll be a while till I go back on PC. Yeah, it's, an abs it's, it's a bummer that the purchases you made on PC don't transfer over, but I think it's, a it's obviously a necessary evil in order to launch the game on console. Yeah, that's not a limitation... Uh, from cryptic that's just the nature of the beast uh, but I, I totally get what he's saying it, it is disappointing but there's nothing that I can do or you can do or cryptic can do about it it's just the nature of the beast I, I, I'm not sure I believe that they couldn't do something because there's you, no way there's no way you can't there's no way because it's a different server right so it, no it is my, my xbox live account has no connection to the ah, 
but to it, the credential servers uh, of Cryptic Studios. But, but, the, one of the first things you do when you log into console is it asks you, it prompts you to link your ARC account to your game. So there is, I mean, there is a tenuous link. You end up, you are given a Wrath of Khan uniform, I want to say. It, it currently doesn't work, so I tried linking my account and it didn't work. Apparently that's a known bug that's going to be fixed shortly. So it's, I think it's a little bit misleading to say that they, it can't be done, because at the end of the day, if they can identify your Xbox Live uh, gamer tag, for instance, as connected to your uh, STO gamer tag, then you should be able to claim, like you do, you know, in promotions, you can claim things from the C store or enter an uh, enter a code to redeem them. I'm not convinced that it's impossible. There are very, there are a lot of good reasons why they wouldn't want to do it, but I'm not convinced it's impossible. Uh, yeah, there there's there's got to be something. Uh, okay, I don't I don't like the fact that if I log in to console. I don't get my lifetime perks. I get purchases, but now, now in retrospect, I see why that would all connect, right? If you don't get your purchases, if the purchases don't cross over, then obviously your lifetime's not going to cross over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, know that I like that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of money. It's a big ask to ask people to switch from PC to console, but... I also am not convinced that they are actually asking people to switch from PC to console. Because at the end of the day, if you're already a PC player, you probably will want to stay on PC. You will get new systems faster. You will get new content faster. And if you're already a a PC gamer, then you're going to be used to the... It is technically easier, with air quotes, um, to play on the PC because you've got all the buttons there. Now, I'm probably, I mean, I don't know if I'm a special case where I prefer console gaming and I kind of did PC gaming because that was the only option for Star Trek Online. I will switch to the console. But then again, I am not a lifetime member. I'm not the demographic for a lifetime member. I probably never would be um, unless somebody gave it one to me. Also, my birthday is the 10th of October. <laughs> Mine is the 19th. Oh, I know. It's weird, right? Are you a Libra? I am. Wow. I'm okay. Scorpily. Scorpily. Anyway, we digress. Uh, the, the, the my point is that I, you know, I don't think that they necessarily want people to switch over, and so there's there's probably not a lot of impetus for Cryptic to make the lifetime sub benefits available on console. I can't think of a good. I think they could could do it if they wanted to. But I can't think of a good reason that they would want to. Marcus commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Console version does have a better look, though I miss a lot of the overall PC experience, having instant access to the forums and other sites. The auto-fire option is nice and would be welcome in the PC version. Yeah, so I'm guessing the auto-fire option that he's talking about is the auto-fire of uh, abilities on console, not uh, as in the auto-fire of weapons. Uh, so I'm guessing that's what he's talking about there. Uh, actually, he could also be talking about, because if, so for instance, if your uh, ground is particularly good, so uh, you use your right trigger to to fire your weapon, if you hold it down, it carries on firing. All right. So instead of clicking every time, right, you just kind of keep firing. Um, and that works in space as well. You have to keep moving your target around, but it, it will just kind of keep firing, uh, which is actually quite handy. Part of the reason that I enjoy ground more on, um, on console than on PC. But then also it could be in reference to 
auto-firing your abilities as well. Okay, so I don't I don't have a console, uh, but I'm really, really itching to play with the new lighting. And so have they announced when the new lighting is coming to PC? Because I'm, nope. I'm going to roll a whole new tune, and I want to start from scratch, and I want to play the game from scratch. Uh, no, they have not announced when it will happen. It is currently being tested on Triple. Its release will most likely be with Season 12, but there is no mention of when that will be. And we're guesstimating, based on prior releases, that it's October, November. Yes. Drogan tweeted us, Decent overall. UI changes are great. Controls feel a bit clunky, but, in my opinion, that's a natural feeling for a six-year-old PC player. I'd also love to have the full-screen dialogue window for PC, but my triple monitor setup would probably screw it all up. Wow. I, I agree with the, the full screen. Well, I agree and also disagree with the full screen dialogue window because it definitely adds to the immersion. It kind of helps things. Oh, and one thing that I haven't mentioned yet is they've, uh, they've done a superb job with the voiceover because everything is voiced now, which you kind of need for console. It's expected on a, on a console version of the PC, but I was impressed, like really impressed at how extensive you know, the, the new voiceover was. It was, yeah, good job, Cryptic. Well done. Anyway, moving on to our second community question. If you're thinking of getting your ship 3D printed, how much would you pay for one of your ships? Well, Captains, we got a ton of feedback for this particular community question with a lot of suggestions ranging from $30 to uh, to a few hundred dollars. And it, it seems pretty varied. It seems pretty varied in, on, on what people expect to pay for these 3D printed ships. All I know is that they are beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're so detailed. The print quality is fantastic for for it being a customized 3D print of your ship, right? Not just a standard model of a ship. It's not like World of Warcraft where all the characters look alike unless you're wearing uh, some particular gear. These ships are going to be talking pieces in your collection. Well, Captains, remember that we also want to start highlighting some of you in our shows. So from now on, we want to hear from you about your Star Trek story. Maybe it's how you found Star Trek, or maybe it's a way that it has changed your life. Whatever it is, please do send us an email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com, and we'll pick one out to read on the show. Well, that wraps up episode 287 of Priority One Podcast. Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to Feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes or Google Play, subscribe to us there and leave us a review on iTunes. More importantly, Captains, spread the word about the show. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. 
to our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman, and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Asmaria Depost, and Gavin Lawarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But, most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 278 of Priority One Podcast. 77. 87. What did I say? I don't even know. <laughs> Jeez. Honestly. All right. Okay. 287. 87. Okay. Yeah. Oh, did we even sink? Yeah. Yes, oh, we, we did, did sink. sink. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, <laughs> <Louise>. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> no, we're not clearing the decks. All of that uh, is going in bloopers. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> Wait a minute. We even Do sink? you need a minute? Like. <laughs> Not even 30 seconds beforehand. <laughs> what a goldfish I, I, I assure you, I assure you, uh, it's not the Guinness. <laughs> yeah. right. Man. So it is, it's 87, right? 87, yes. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's the four shots of vodka you put in the Guinness. Hello, <laughs> captains. You're listening to episode ABC123. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Do you want to sync up again? No. No, that's the thing. Okay. All right, so intro in three, two. I got the giggles. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got the giggles now. <laughs> oh, deep breath, Picard maneuver. Sort it out, Elijah. And as always, in the recording studio is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, folks. <laughs> Little delayed reaction. Yeah, I was trying to think of something to say, and I was like, oh, no, forget it. No. There was no Winters this time. Winters. He no threw winters. him off. He's like, who's that? Who's that guy? <laughs> Have they replaced me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kenna, what do we have this week? Well, this week. All right, Kenna. Can I get a what, what? Yeah. All right, Kenna, what's coming up this week? He screwed up both of our names, Winters. Yes. Winters, Kenna. Winters, Look, Kana. at least Kenna wasn't like, this is Elijah. <laughs> Elijah, interesting one. Hmm. Wicked, 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 wicked. Thank you, Winters. I, was, I wasn't sure how long I needed to pause until somebody goes in with the wiki, wiki, wiki. <laughs> Now, over that time, I would argue that STO has involved... Nope. 
Um, not involved. That's evolved. not a thing. Evolved. Evolved. Evie. <laughs> Wally. Evie. <laughs> oh my god, you skyped out at just the right time then as well. <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> By now, the way, this that... cat is just after climbing up in the back of the chair and is now sitting between my back and the back of the chair. Oh, God. Me. So if I hear giggling, that's what it is. Probably. <laughs> Sorry, cut that out. Was that's that a burp? That was a that was a, an, an intense inhale, like, <gasps> gasp. That sounded like a burp to me. It, wasn't, it was not a burp. Jeez. <sighs> Also, from the 22nd to the 26th of September, take advantage of the item upgrade weekend and upgrade your gear faster. Do you to, can you do that one again? Because yeah. you kind of went upgrade. But James Collison also posted. Lieutenant Dan! <laughs> I really wanted you to just read it as Lieutenant Dan! Wrote on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I did. Yeah. Oh, did you? I. Yes, he did. What? Did he? Yeah. Oh. I went, Lieutenant Dan! Oh, dirt. Hmm. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. Pokemon! If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Booyah! (laughs) (laughs) How about them apples? Yeah.